And I think one of the marvels of Jesus is just the undividedness in his life, the integrity of his life, that there, he never fell prey to this dividedness um, or separation. The means and the ends perfectly went together for Jesus. And I think that's a word for us as we think about engaging in culture and doing politics and loving our neighbor is that by the Holy Spirit, he's inviting us into that kind of an undivided life. And that's really good news. It's good news for us. It's good news for our neighbor. It's good news for the world. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church, where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Welcome to the chopping block. Um, the week of April 30th, we talked this week about um, about the Sabbath and Jesus addressing um, some critiques from the Pharisees. Um, and we're just going to jump into some of the things that we didn't get into, um, didn't have time to get into this Sunday. Um, one thing that we kind of uh, addressed or started to get into Sunday is this thing that Christians have wrestled with for a long time, which is our relationship to the Old Testament laws and, you know, how much of this is something that we still need to be following, how much of it is um, wisdom, or is it even, is it just something that we can now throw out? Is it something that Jesus um, got rid of the need for? Um, And I think Sabbath is really kind of a perfect way to get into that, so... What are your thoughts on that? It's a, it's a great test case. Uh, yeah, there are different approaches to this, right? So some would say um, anything that the New Testament doesn't explicitly repeal would still continue. And then others would say anything that the New Testament doesn't explicitly set forth isn't necessary. Um, I would I would maybe take a little bit of a different approach and say I think – what we see in this passage, what we see time and again with Jesus. And I actually quoted, um, I think I mentioned this in the sermon, that Jesus said, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I think my approach is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, that in its entirety, the law was ultimately aimed, the law was doing several things, um, but it was ultimately aimed at um, pointing us to Jesus, preparing us for Jesus, picturing the moral character of God, which is revealed in Jesus. And so there's all kinds of different ways that you can get to saying the same thing, which is Jesus is the fulfillment of of the law. And, and so, you know, when it comes to a question like the Sabbath, the Sabbath was the fourth commandment. Um, and it was... Sabbath and circumcision were the two things that really demarcated Israel from other nations, made them distinct and different. Um, And so it was key. It was critical. It was really at the heart of um, the Mosaic Covenant and their relationship with God. 
but it's actually the only commandment in the New Testament not explicitly picked up and commanded. So there's debate about it and there's conversation about it, but it's not explicitly picked up and, and reset forth. Um, and so some would look at that and go, well, that's because it was limited to this mosaic covenant and that dispensation or epic of time in redemptive history. And we're in a new, we're in a new epic under Christ. Um, but what I, what I was trying to get at in this sermon is that Jesus actually fulfills the Sabbath commandment. It was given, um, as a gift, to God's people, certainly to distinguish them from other people, but also to say, hey, you can trust me. And so you can take an entire day off. And then there were Sabbath years where they were to just let the land lie and to trust God. And so it was an invitation to faith and it was an invitation to rest. And now Jesus shows up and really reveals himself as the fulfillment of that. Mm. Trust in me, rest in me. Um, and so we rest from our work. We rest from laboring, laboring to prove ourselves or earn our way and we rest in the finished work of Christ and we trust in him. Um, I think there's also this element though of, um, you know, it says God rested on the seventh day. And I think that rest was an enjoyment of what he had created. And we're invited into that same sort of rest to enjoy God um, and ultimately, that's where Jesus is taking us. That's where we're headed. And so I think it's a good practice to live into that, to learn to take time to intentionally rest in Jesus and to, to recuperate and seek renewal in God by not working, by not laboring. And so I think we can get lost. We really quickly do what the Pharisees do. Um, which is to begin to try to fence that in. Well, is it Saturday, which was the original Sabbath day, or is it Sunday because the early church worshipped on the first day of the week, and so now do we transition Sabbath to Sunday? Um, and what does that mean? Does that mean we put electronics away, or does that mean we can't work, or does that mean we shouldn't go out to eat? And we get lost in all of these rules of what it actually means to Sabbath, and I think we miss the point, yeah. which is... God is inviting us to rest, rest in his son, Jesus, to put our faith in him and to take time in the week to be renewed by taking a break and looking to him. And, you know, I think about Jesus's words to his disciples, hey, come away with me. You know, they had been out on the mission field and they come back and they're telling him these stories and he's like, hey, let's get away by ourselves and take a break. I think that's the heart of Sabbath. Mm. And uh, so what I hear you saying is it's biblical, unfortunately, that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think, um, yeah, well, it's it's interesting because Sabbath is something that, like I grew up uh, it, hearing this passage as Jesus saying, I'm the king so, like, I get to say that school's out. No more. We don't have to do Sabbath anymore. I get to, like, just throw this away. I, I read it as almost like, I just remember learning about it and thinking that it was Jesus saying, hey, Sabbath isn't a big deal anymore. Mm. And um, learning later that, like, really, Sabbath is so much, even the idea of Sabbath 
like seventh day rest throughout scripture is so much bigger than even just the law or the expectation to take that day off. But it's like, it says a lot about who God is, who, who humanity is. And so, you know, like lots of people, like there's a Jewish writer um, from the sixties, Abraham Heschel, who wrote this book about the Sabbath. It's really beautiful. Um, and he talks about how the Sabbath is like actually a radical social statement of the value of human beings and that for Jews, it was it, other cultures viewed them as lazy to take one day off, which is hard for us in the modern world where we have this absurd luxury of two days off. Most, most people in the United States have two days off a week. That's insane throughout most of history in most cultures, you work every single day from sunup to sundown. Like, and the idea of taking a day off was a radical statement about the value of human life that we're not just our work. Right. And we trust God, so we take a day to rest. And um, I think learning that the Sabbath was more than just this arbitrary rule that Jesus was kind of like, you know, hey, we don't have to worry about this anymore. Him saying he was the Lord of the Sabbath was actually a huge statement about who he was. Right. And a theological, even anthropological statement about who humanity is. And and um, and I think that's where we can get lost a lot of times in religion is like it was a gift. Uh, like God was giving it to his people as a gift. Yeah. Um, and somewhere along the way that gift became a burden because there was this question of like, well, how do we actually keep it? And so they started throwing up all of these fence laws and, and it's not that we shouldn't be thoughtful about how to obey. Um, but we so easily lose the biggie on the eye chart, Mm -hmm. which is God saying to his people, you know, uniquely, I will be your God and you will be my people. And and you're going to be set apart from the nations And one of the clear ways that they were set apart was the Mosaic law did hold such a higher view of humanity than any other law code in the ancient Near East. Mm. It was so much fairer um, than other law codes. I mean, you start reading some of the other law codes and it's like, it was brutal, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're practicing human sacrifice and all of these things and, and God comes along and says, no, there's value here. I care about you. Mm-hmm. And and I want you to live this way with each other. And I want to give you an entire day to, to recenter on me and to rest. That is radical. Yeah. Um, and then Jesus comes along and says, do that with me. Mm-hmm. You know, really seek that in me. Seek that renewal. Find your rest in me. Yeah. And when it comes to the... I just had a thought about when it comes to the actual practice of the Sabbath. Um, I There's these novels by this lady, Marilyn Robinson, a Christian author. Um, and they're about pastors in a small town in the sixties and reading them just reminded me like uh, it used to be in the United States, especially in, in the rural United States that people took the Sabbath very, very seriously and, probably even legalistically in some ways, but Sundays like everything was closed and nobody worked. Um, and 
um, it's interesting to compare that, you know, like now in the kind of the evangelical world with like John Mark Comer and, um, Rich Velotis and like the sort of, um, reintroduction that we've had to spiritual disciplines like the Sabbath. Um, like we've tried to do the Sabbath. Lots of folks have tried to like reincorporate the Sabbath in their in their life. And it's a very hard thing to do when the rest of the world doesn't, the rest of the world around you doesn't also have that practice. Um, and so it kind of even makes you a little bit sympathetic to the legalism of everybody has to do this. Right. Because it's like, like when everybody's not doing it, it's almost impossible to do it at all. Like when you try to do Sabbath and like, it's like, well, when are we going to do our, when are we going to mow the lawn? And, and, you know, our son's got a soccer game and our daughter has a recital and this and that. And it's like, all of a sudden yep. there's like a million things that are there because the world goes on and to make a decision as a family to stop, it's actually like a really challenging thing. Well, you see the beauty in community when mm-hmm. everybody commits to it together, there's a built in accountability there. Yeah. And you see the countercultural reality of that. Yeah. When you go, man, we're going to, we're going to move this direction when the entire culture is moving the other direction. I mean, that's provocative. I mean, that's when a people actually buy into that sort of a way of life, Mm -hmm. it naturally leads to evangelistic conversations because it's just so provocative. Like, why don't you guys do that? Mm -hmm. And that's where you get to give the why and go, this isn't about keeping a rule. Mm -hmm. We really feel like this is formative. This is going to shape us by committing to this. Um, you know, we're giving ourselves to a practice here that we think actually is going to impact our lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we live in a different day. I mean, I think that's why uh, the New Testament says labor to rest. Mm-hmm. It's a work. It's a work and it takes planning. Like if you're going to Sabbath, if you're going to enter into the practice of trying to set time aside to break the normal rhythm of work in life to intentionally just rest mm-hmm. and to enjoy Jesus. That takes planning. Yeah. It, it's, it's not, it's not a practice that happens haphazardly it takes yeah. work. Being able to rest on Saturday sometimes can make Friday a bit of a pain. <laughs> yep. And it should, it's like, that's how it should be. If you're really right. Intentionally thinking about being able to rest. So, um, Looking at the law and and how Jesus clarified that like this law of the Sabbath is for humanity and reframes it from a compassionate human point of view. It kind of leads us naturally into this other story that follows these that we didn't have time to get through in this short series, but it kind of drives that home even more. You want to talk a little bit about that story? Yeah, so there's a fifth story we couldn't get to where the Pharisees essentially bait Jesus knowing that he has a proclivity toward like compassion, like to, and to healing. Mm -hmm. Um, They find this man with a shriveled hand and they, they see Jesus entering the temple and they sort of position him there. I'm adding a few details, but it clearly says that they're using this guy to, to see what Jesus is going to do. So, I imagine that they position him in a 
noticeable place to see if Jesus is going to heal him because, again, it's the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And they believe that if he heals him on the Sabbath, that's work. And so, therefore, that would be a violation of the command. And, you know, Jesus, the great rhetorician, like he's so... He's so wise. Like he's such a sage. He he sees what they're doing, and he flips it on them, and he asks them a question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or to kill? And it says that they were silent. Mm-hmm. Because what Jesus does there is he recenters again on the heart of the law. You know, there was another occasion where a religious expert came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, the second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on these two hinge or rest all the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire law is summed up and fulfilled in loving God with your whole being and loving your neighbor as you would yourself. And and that's that's the great failure in this moment with these religious leaders is they're not loving their neighbor um, as they would themselves. They would want to be healed if they had a if they had a you know a shriveled hand, a, a maimed hand that didn't work. They would want to have a functioning hand. They would want to be healed. In this moment, they're missing it completely, and so Jesus kind of recenters the law at its heart. And then it says he healed him. And I was thinking there, there was a fourth point in my sermon that I had to leave out just because of time. But, you know, we looked at what religion does and religion runs to performing and comparing and rule following. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that religion does is it it turns people into pawns. It There's a way of using the law to prop yourself up. That actually, but we we can weaponize the law, um, and we can weaponize religion in a way that's harmful to others. I mean, we've seen this a lot recently with institutions, you know, hiding abuse in the name of saving face, mm-hmm. protecting power, that sort of a thing. I mean, that's exactly what's going on here. The Pharisees feel threatened by Jesus; they want to hold their power. They're kind of they're the highest-ranking experts among the Jewish people. They yeah. like their position. And so they, they're they using this guy to try to trap Jesus. And it says right after this that they conspired with the Herodians to figure out how to get rid of him. I mean, and if we're not careful, we can be guilty of the same thing, where we begin to, to use the Bible and to use our faith in a way that isn't centered on love of God and love of neighbor, but it's really centered on serving ourselves. Um, I think it's a warning for all of us. I think we're all susceptible to that. If the Pharisees could make a defense of themselves today, they would probably use the same greater good argument that you often hear to the ends justify the means. And I think something that Jesus constantly in these stories that we've been looking at reminds us of is that like there's really no separation in the means and the ends um that the means define the ends as much as the ends define the means and you know if you 
you know, they're using a greater good argument where like, well, like, and, and it's, it's a compelling argument in its own way. Like, look, we have to set ourselves apart. We, the importance of the institution of, of Jewish religion at the time takes precedence over this one. It's just one guy with a shriveled hand. Like it's more important that we uphold this institution and these laws and that in its own way was a compelling argument. But Jesus is the one that says, no, actually the greater good is this guy's hand. Yep. Like the greater good is the new life that this guy will experience. He can work again. Yep. Like maybe he's got a wife and kids at home that he can't support. He has to beg in the streets because he can't work. And it's like, you know, I mean, I'm, that, we don't right. know that. I'm just. Well, but, but the problem, the problem with the greater good argument is you presume to know uh-huh. as if God couldn't use this individual moment for his greater good according to his purposes we're not god and i think one of the marvels of jesus is just the undividedness in his life the integrity of his life that there he never fell prey to this dividedness mm. um, or separation the means and the ends perfectly went together for jesus mm-hmm. and i think that's a word for us as we think about engaging in culture and doing politics and yeah. loving our neighbor is that Um, by the Holy Spirit he's inviting us into that kind of an undivided life yeah and that's really good news Mm -hmm. it's good news for us it's good news for our neighbor it's good news for the world amen if you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today You can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.